Hey everyone, this is Mike Flanagan from Inside Bowling. Thanks for listening to our bowling podcast. On this episode, we welcome broadcast professional Dave Ryan. Dave is a pro's pro of broadcasters, and he is a lifer. And what I mean by that is he is someone that at age 10 was able to identify what he wanted to do for the rest of his life, and that's broadcasting. He is still doing that today. He's called not only many famous bowling matches, and he's known for his 60 feet to success tagline, but also has covered and worked every major professional sport. I particularly remember Dave calling the NHL on ESPN in the 90s, where he worked with people like Darren Pang, Brian Hayward, Brian Ingblom, and even Eddie Olchek. Dave was nice enough to spend some time with us during his downtime. We really appreciate it. I should also let you know that our show is broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube, and you should head over to those accounts by searching Inside Bowling to watch the program and check out our schedule. If you're enjoying our show, do us a favor and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. It would mean the world to us. And if you really want to get involved with the program and support us, head over to InsideBowling.com and check out our merch. You can save 15% off site-wide with coupon code IBSHOW. So here it is, episode three, as we're still beta testing at this point, but we sit down with our friend, Dave Ryan. Welcome, everybody, into the Inside Bowling Show. I'm Mike Flanagan, one of your hosts, and joining me as well and producing is Matt Farber. And uh, this is beta testing week, so how about that music intro, Matt? What do you think? I think uh, I'd have to give you like a 9.7 out of 10 there. That was good. You faded it out. You talked over the music, um, and it sounded real nice, real crisp. Yeah, tomorrow we might go a little bit longer with the music because I like them so much. It's The Urge. It's a band from uh, St. Louis, an alternative uh, ska band uh, that I grew up listening to uh, when I was in high school. So uh, I have permission to use their music, but that doesn't mean that YouTube's not going to give it a thumbprint and uh, and dock us here. But uh, quite honestly, we need to test those things during uh, beta test week here. Yeah, without question. We're just trying to have fun. You know, we uh, we joked around with our real beta launch soft launch sunday night late at night that we were gonna uh launch every single episode um with a great song from daft punk but unfortunately uh we're not gonna be able to do that so we're gonna we're gonna find creative ways to work around that and to just have some fun and get everybody fired up for the amazing guests that we have on hopefully every episode yeah and so far man uh, we were, we're celebrating uh we could have gone a couple different directions here you know we had dave lamont yesterday our guest today queued up is is dave ryan we'll bring him in in just a moment uh, but you know, we could keep going down the broadcaster route or we could keep going down the Dave route. And later at the very end of the show, we're going to announce which route we're going to go. So that's a cliffhanger for everybody out there. Are we going to go the Dave route or are we going to go the, uh, the, the public figure, uh, announcer crew, uh, so to speak, uh, route. So we'll, we will, we will tell that at the very end of the show in the last five seconds of the show. So stick around for that. Uh, Matt, uh, yesterday, uh, we talked about, uh, various amount of topics after we talked with the wonderful Dave Lamont, who was an excellent uh, first guest trivia question for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we, we did have eight viewers yesterday and uh, we talked to Dave Ryan ahead of time and we told him that we need to get to nine today. So he did. He did invite two people since Lamont uh, invited one yesterday. Uh, so we should be, have our most viewership ever here today. Yes, I think I think so. And, you know, I think I like the trend of continuing with the majestic voices. You know, Dave Lamont got a real got some pipes on him. Uh, today's guest, Dave Ryan, again, another great set of pipes. Um, he's, you know, he's a, an accomplished professional in his own right. And uh, I think I don't know, we, we've got these two routes, you know, the, the public figure announcer type route or the Dave route. I don't know if it's the Dave that makes them so, you know, like so nice to listen to, or if it's the, you know, the profession, I'm not really sure. I'm not either. So uh, with no further ado, I think uh, just to let everybody know that we, we will be talking about some topics in bowling towards the end of the show, like we did yesterday. That's our format so far, but because we do queue up these guests ahead of time and for technology, and because that's why everybody's really here, because we're just a couple of hot air balloons sitting over here. But <laughs> our guest, uh, he is um, somebody who's dedicated a lot of time to broadcasting over the years. He's helped teach other people. He's broadcasted many, many different sports. 
and he falls in line with a lot of other bowling commentators that we've had over the years. We've been blessed to have some really unique and great voices that transcend all sports. And what he what he's been able to do in bowling, uh, you can tell he really dedicates himself to the sport of bowling, understanding bowling, and he treats it as if it's any other sport out there. So let's bring in our guest today uh, from the Northeast, right up by you, Matt, uh, Dave Ryan. Dave, welcome to the program here today. It's great to have you. Hey, guys. Good to be part of Beta Week. I appreciate that. My vote without question is for more Dave. So if you, you want to go Dave, get Dave Schroeder, the PBA. We have Dave uh, Dave Fleming, great announcer for ESPN. Dave Pash. These are all Syracuse guys. So I think the Dave theme should just keep rolling. Why would you want to stop with the Daves? Well, we'll uh, we, we would appreciate some some connections here. If you want the Daves to keep going, we would love to keep the I'll Daves get you rolling some, here. I'll get you some digits. Um, I'll, get you some, I'll get you some email addresses. We'll make it happen. Uh, yeah, we could all test out. We'll have a little stream party, <laughs> introduction, whatever, whatever, whatever works for you, Dave. I love it. I love it. Thanks for having me on Inside Bowling, guys. It's really cool. Um, we were talking a bit before we, we got the show going today. Uh, it's not easy. I hope everyone is safe. Everyone is staying home and adhering to all the, the rules that your county commissioners and mayors and governor of your state, wherever you are or whatever country you're in watching right now. Uh, that's the most important thing. Um, but man, I can't wait to get back to work and wait to get back on bowling and, and the other sports we do. It's It's been a strange time. Uh, good family time. But I, I think I can speak for a lot of people where it's, it's it's to that point where we're ready to get back to work and start cracking again. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, I guess my question for you would be is um, how is this affecting your life right now? Um, what's going on at home? Um, your wife, Tess, takes care of the kids and everything you have going on there. You're mm-hmm. home a lot. Um, what's, what's it like now for you? Well, it's a lot of home time, obviously, Mike. We are doing the best we can with we have six kids in the house, so we have a – it's like full house. You know that old show? Uh, eight is enough. Kind of feel like the old that, – that old variety show on ABC back in the day. You guys might be too young for that, but put it on YouTube. It was good. Um, <laughs> it, it's busy here. We have uh, six kids at home, ranging from foster twins who are four months old to three grade school kids to a college kid, all home. Uh, doing virtual school, doing online classes. We have – Three dogs, three cats, at last count, 11 chickens. Um, I've taken up gardening. I've become a big gardener. So far, a couple couple leaves of lettuce have come out, some spinach that was really good, one strawberry, and uh, one tomato. (laughs) (laughs) So the yield is... It's still TBA in the yield. Maybe you can have you on your show later on in the summer or whatever. Later on, at some point, we can talk about it. You can bring some of the veggies out. So we got squash going and beans and tomatoes. I tried corn. That was a big failure, fail, a truly failure. Um, <laughs> I've got it fenced in, but Critters got in the other night and took out a, one bed of my stuff. It was kind of heart, heartbroken. It's like a father losing, you know, your kids. I can't believe that my beans are gone. Um, but, you know, I do a lot of research on that. Playing a lot of time outside. We do a trampoline in the backyard. We have a pool in the backyard. We're in Florida, so it's, it's 10, 8, 90 degrees. Very humid. Good cool weather. Um, we're trying to keep the kids on a regular schedule. So we do a couple hours of academics. They have Zoom meetings with their teachers. And then we do a lot of free time, do a lot of chores. Like they're learning a lot about the house and about life that I think they wouldn't if they were at school and doing their basketball or soccer practice or piano lessons. Like everybody's home, everyone's helping. So I feel like it's it's a like it's a flashback or a, it's a time travel to time way, way past. Because everyone's together and we're all lending a hand. Like my seven-year-old watered all the trees yesterday we just put in. Um, and he wouldn't do that otherwise. Like you put it on his chore list and he does it. Like So I think there are a lot of really great aspects of this that have come out of the family life here. And I think that's a real positive. But it's a lot of work. Like you're doing, I'm doing two or three loads of dishes a day. Because everyone's eating at home. We can't go out, you know, we'll do DoorDash or Maybe once every couple of weeks, but it's a lot of cooking and it's a heck of a lot of cleaning. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep a house clean with all these pets and kids. Man. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> I have one question personally uh, from that, and then I'll let Matt follow up. Yeah. The trampoline. Um, can you do a backflip? <laughs> no, no. I, I 
have seen too many and read about too many injuries. I'm a really cautious type. I don't know. You guys don't know me that well, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to take chances like that. I'll just do the seat jump and then on the knees jump. And then that's cool. My kids can do flips. No, they can't do a backflip. They can do a front flip pretty well. It's pretty amazing on it, but it's a really good workout. It's like, it's like a thousand percent humidity right now in Florida. It's really hot and sticky. So you get out there in the morning and it's like a, a full aerobic 30 minutes. I mean, it's, you really are sweating afterwards. So it's fun for everybody. And look, my wife's, you know, my wife's given a, the speech a few times. Look, we've got an acre of land. We've got a pool, a trampoline. I don't want to hear any whining about not going to school and going to work. Like we've had a few of those to keep everyone, you know, yeah. in the right frame of mind. It's not easy. That is great. Sounds like, sounds like you guys should start your own show, like your own, maybe a gardening family show. You know, yeah. your team's going around watering the trees. You're fighting yeah. off these critters from trying to eat your corn. It sounds like it could be a really good big hit on YouTube. It, it may be, Matt. I think that's a good idea. You know, we um, I'm not sure, Mike, we talked about this when we spoke uh, in Dallas last season, but um, in 2013, I was doing the Mount West on CBS Sports Network, so college football. So we decided. You know, wouldn't it be cool to take an RV from Florida and take it on the road for your football schedule? So at that point, I was working with Adam Marcelletta, who's moved on out of the NFL and CBS. And Evan Washburn, who also has moved on to the NFL and CBS, was our sideline. So we drove from Florida in an RV, towing a minivan with four. At that point, we had four kids, two dogs, an au pair from Norway, who, whose English was, you know, 50-50. And we drove it like 6,000 miles. And we ran little snippets like during the football season for the GoRVing.com thing that was sponsored. But <laughs> I wish we had had camera crew on that thing. You talk about wacky. I almost turned, turned back like five times. It was <laughs> – we had some crazy – we left with two dogs, came back with one. The one dog actually went to my wife's aunt's farm. Sometimes you say, oh, the dog went to the farm, to the farm. This, in this case, she did. And she's alive and well. Olive, Olive lives in Iowa now, but it was a wild, a wild adventure. So I think maybe that's a good idea, Matt. Maybe we should have a camera crew or just do it ourselves and try to put it on YouTube. And I'm too busy cleaning to edit. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's kind of like my MO is I come up with these ideas right. and I don't really take into account all the other things that either I have yeah. on my plate or somebody else has on their plate. So I'm telling you, just to you know, fire up at this YouTube down here. <laughs> but you're cleaning, you've got there's eight people in your house, you got yeah. four chickens in the backyard that are wow. like laying eggs left and right. And uh, you know, like, <laughs> YouTube channel's probably not in the cards right now, maybe not. One of the funniest part of my day is when you bring out the compost because I'm super green. So I bring the compost out, and the chickens, when they're out, we let the chickens out to roam the dogs in a few times a day. So it's fenced in, it's safe. And the second you open the door, the chickens charge you, and they're like friendly they're all hen they're they're, hen, they're lay, layers they lay eggs so we get like six seven eggs a day and they just charge you and they want the, they want whatever you have leftover waffles pancakes toast like they're like little dogs like they they're begging for your bread or crumbs or crackers or whatever it's, i mean it's <laughs> watching a chicken run at full speed is pretty funny <laughs> uh, we, do, we do have an interactive show here today and we, we do invite folks to get involved in the program and, and jeremy witt has a question here uh dave do you bowl do you bowl like yourself at all uh, he asked for lee specifically but uh, and what made you decide to start being an announcer in, with the pba or bowling in general and finally uh he's got lots of questions here uh, my favorite yeah. question i like to ask who was your favorite mm. bowler growing up and who did you love? Oh, man. Those are all good questions, Jeremy. Thanks for, for tuning in and thanks for the questions. So I do not bowl league. Um, I consider myself very athletic, um, at, even at 52. I still uh, run, ride the bike a lot, and do a lot of weights and a lot of stretching, a lot of yoga. So I think I'm in decent shape. And back in the day, I played a lot of hoops, tennis, football, and a lot of baseball growing up. Uh, never a bowler. And those who have seen me try, it is pretty ugly. I'm a lefty, and I just cannot get the ball to hook. I've tried. I've taken – Randy's given me lessons before, giving me good personal instruction, and it's an ugly thing. So <laughs> there is video because we did some promo video for our PWBA shows on CBS Sports Network last year. Maybe I'll get that to you, Mike or Matt, and you guys can work, work your magic with it. It's ugly. It's ugly. <laughs> so, uh, no, I do not bowl league. Um when I was, Jeremy, when I was in Syracuse at WSTM-TV, we had a TV pair of lanes. 
So I was able to call two bowling shows a week. And the late, great Marty Pirano, a legend in the Syracuse and, and national and worldwide bowling scene, was my analyst. And Joe Giacconi, former PBA bowler who now works our shows every week uh, on CBS or Fox, was a participant in the show. So we had a challenge bowling show for the kids, championship bowling show. I was adults who bowl for a little bit of money, not a few bucks, not much. So that's how I got started doing bowling. I didn't know bowling at all at that point. So I was like uh, 26 years old, 27 years old. And then got my big break at ESPN a few years, few weeks, a few years later. They asked me to fill in, and I don't remember who the voice of the PBA was at that time. It was a one-show fill-in. I'm thinking, guys, it's right around 99, 90, 1999. I was in North Carolina, and then they called me. 99. Yeah, yeah. So 90. So uh, then they called me before the 2002 season and asked me to be the full-time voice. Um. So it was a thrill to work with Randy for. Five years. Mike knows the story. I met my wife at a, at a bowling center in Lava Lanes in Medford, Oregon, home of the Medford Meteor. Um, so I owe it all the bowling. I've been married 13 years and have now five kids if you include the Foster twins together. So I, I really do love the sport. Um, probably Earl Anthony growing up, thinking about that. Probably Dick Weber, the guys that I watched because as a kid, I'm 52. So in the 70s, when bowling was on every week, it was such a big deal. I mean, it was the, it was the, there's so little uh, content for live sports that was, was on the air. There, were, there was no ESPN, NBCSN, CBSSN. didn't exist. So we would watch. My dad and I would watch. We'd watch every live sport we possibly could. He, my dad was a huge hockey fan as well. So when when Peter Puck was on uh, In Between Periods on NBC, uh, that was my favorite part as a little kid, watching the animated puck and that and that whole, that whole bit on NBC back in the day. But... We watched Monday Night Baseball. We watched Monday Night Football. I mean, only child growing up in, in at that point, Iowa City, Iowa, as a little kid. Like, I, I told Mike this last year. Like, I used to walk to Iowa games myself. I was just, I was probably seven, eight years old, walking by myself. Now, I wouldn't let my, my kids walk 10 feet by themselves now <laughs> on a street. <laughs> so, life was a lot different then. That's kind of, that's a lot of questions, a lot of answers, Jeremy, to your questions, but I hope that answered everything. It's kind of a compilation for me. I've always been around so it's loved it. And um, to me, it's a thrill to be asked to, to do a live sporting event, to narrate, to add to the viewer's experience. Like, that's what I tell my podcast students now. It, it, it's about enhancing what they're seeing. How do I make it better? The, the live action, watching Jason Belmonte win the world championship in Vegas a few weeks ago, that, you can't top that. Because that's the best bowler in the world winning a major championship. But you can make it better for the viewer by adding some emotion, some energy, some facts, some history to sort of encapsulate everything. And that's what I love about broadcasting. Just being there and being the final voice of a big moment. Yeah. I do have a follow-up uh, on that. A couple of things. You mentioned one thing about Dick Weber, uh, mm -hmm. one that you, that you looked up to. Uh, and then you also mentioned that I know the story of how you met your wife uh, in Medford, Oregon, uh, your wife, Tess. And I think that that those two those two mentions there, one involves Pete Weber. I, I'd like for you to, to, to touch on that story. But I mentioned these things because there's a Pete Weber and Dick Weber reference in there. One that you mentioned, one that I knew that the audience didn't know. But yesterday, I'm not sure if you saw this or not. Yeah, you did. Yeah, we, we learned the passing. Uh, of Juanita Weber and uh, would like to get your response into uh, your thoughts on, on Juanita Weber in general and, and, and the passing and how you felt when you saw that and then tell, yeah. take us through a little bit about how, how you met your wife involving. Sure. Her. Well, so sad. And of course my thoughts and, and every, every ounce of energy and of, of love and good feelings out to, to Pete and, and family um, was such a great woman and someone who had been such a big part of that bowling royalty for so many years uh i saw pete's post on facebook yesterday and it was it was just um your, your heart kind of melts it's just devastating to see that especially coming directly from him and now that we're, social media is so important now everyone's quarantined at home we're on our phones and tablets constantly and so i saw randy's reaction randy peterson on, on facebook yesterday too and it was just very some really beautiful things were written about me and about the family um so, so sorry to hear about the loss. Uh, if Pete is listening or hears about this, love you, Pete. And 
our, our thoughts are with you for sure. Um, that's got to be so hard. I, I do remember doing the U.S. Open just at, just after Dick passed away, and you guys might remember that show. We were live in in North Brunswick in New Jersey, and um, you know, Randy just talking about the top of a live show on ESPN had an emotional moment, and he didn't completely break down, but it was close. He was he was tearing up, and um, that's one thing I'll never forget. I just could sort of pat him on the shoulder and go on live TV. So yeah, enhance the moment, of course, appreciate what that was about, and then try to get Randy to talk about Dick Weber and move on to, to the rest of the broadcast. Um, those are such hard moments. And, and I hope Pete's, uh, I hope Pete, you're at peace today for sure. Uh, so Mike, on a much, much lighter note, uh, he's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Medford, Medford, Oregon, Lava Lanes as a PBA tour stop, and I'd done the uh, East West Shrine Bowl in San Francisco the day before. Um, so I flew in directly to Medford, and you guys been there. The Medford Airport is almost directly connected to Lava Lanes. You almost could leave the terminal and walk right into the, the bowl. It's right next to it. So I walked in. There were there were some six women there I, I didn't recognize. Um, I was divorced and single, and it. it the time was unbelievable and, and I, I met my wife and she um, did not really have much of an interest, interest in me at all. <laughs> it was sort of a passing interest. It was more like, uh, nice to meet you. A full year passed and the same event came around and this time her friends emailed me a couple weeks before, hey, Tess is looking forward to seeing you again. I'm like, really? Because nothing happened at all. I hadn't heard a word from her a whole year. Even gave her my fancy ESPN business card. So that didn't work. So, so I, I assumed that she had moved on, I had moved on, but um, it worked out great. We, we, and we've been together since. We've been together 17 years, married 13 years in June, uh, five kids together now, and I don't know, chickens, dogs, cats, been been great. But the reason Tess went to that bowling center is because of Pete Weber. So she and her friends read about Pete in the New Yorker magazine. And they said, boy, it would be really cool to create a Pete Weber fan club. Now, they were not bowling fans. They didn't know a thing about bowling. They, they were in a bowling league, but not really fans. But they were intrigued by Pete. So they did a website. They did T-shirts. They went down and they, like, went all out. So the first year that they went, Pete won that event. Like, and all the ladies were on the show. They are in the front row seat. And they were cheering. I'll never forget when Pete finished out that tournament and clinched it popped his fist to the camera. You can see Tess, like she's, she's cheering. It was hilarious. Um, and when Pete walked into the bar year one, when Tess was not interested, he saw all the ladies with the Pete Weber fan club t-shirts and assumed like they really were huge fans of his. But it was more like for fun. They didn't really know that much about him. And they certainly never thought they'd meet him face to face. But all of a sudden there he's at the bar and they all shook hands and had fun and that's when I came in. So it was it was like a two year saga, Mike. That that story is it's pretty deep, pretty long. But um, that's how we that's how we met. We've been together since. It's been amazing. And she moved to Syracuse for me. He must really love somebody to move to Central New York for somebody. And that's uh that's a big commitment. I love Syracuse. I lived there twenty five years, but the winners are really tough. So that's true love. That's true love. <laughs> is um and not only do you have your true love with us and we we did talk about that a little more in depth uh, on our podcast that we that we were recording but uh in addition to that you also found and you touched on it earlier today um and as we've been talking to you about your love for broadcasting and you were a very young age and you would you would go to hawkeye games uh, go there by by yourself and uh, you would, like you mentioned, you'd walk there and, and through the tunnels and everything and you'd, go and you'd watch the games and then tell everybody kind of what you did when you were younger. I think this is a great story regarding uh, recording yourself uh, broadcasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good memory. Good memory on that. So I'm, I'm guessing, Mike, that was Brett. Let's just say I'm, I'm 10 years old. OK, so this is 1977 in Iowa City, Iowa, different era, different time. We were free range kids back then. We are no phones, obviously, no Internet, obviously. Like I, I, I mean, my parents probably said, come home when the game ends. So I'm an only child. I actually went to the Iowa ticket office, bought a three dollar obstructive view seat. In the old Iowa field house. And look at this. I do have a picture. This is Ronnie Lester. If you guys can see that. 
So you see the see the big the big poles there? That's the old Iowa field house. So if you bought a ticket for three bucks, for three bucks, obstructive view meant you were behind one of those huge poles. But if you were savvy like I was at 10 years old, you just moved as soon as you got there. You got in the building and you found a better seat. One of those games and my all-time favorite Hawkeyes, Ronnie Lester, like he's an absolute legend. He led them to the final four. Um, they're always great run with Boot Olson. And then he won a couple NBA titles as a backup with Michael Jordan with the Bulls. He didn't play much, but he was on, I think, two of those teams. Um, so I would, I'd walk to the games myself. This is winter months in Iowa, so we're probably talking 10 degrees. These are school nights, weeknights. Um, I leave the house probably at, let's say, 6 o'clock, pitch dark. 20-minute walk to the old Iowa hospitals and these myriad of horror movie tunnels underneath the hospital you had to go through. And if you took, like, it was really, you were the only one down there. Like, there are no cameras back then. There wasn't well lit. There are no signs. Like, there were just all these pipes and crazy long tunnels. And it, and it ended right in front of the old field house where Iowa played back in the day. So I did, did this by myself. I go to the game. Halftime, I go down to the locker room of the opposing team because you could get right next to the players and watch them walk in like this i was 10 years old then i come back from the game and go into a cassette recorder and do a recap like a post game show so i was doing some early training at a very young age wow. wow now as i said earlier with all my kids now i would never let them walk that far by themselves like i have trouble letting my 10 year old go around the corner on his bike to our little park here in our development in florida like that's stressful to me. Watch for cars. Wear your helmet. Don't talk to strangers. You know. But back in the day, we were we just did whatever. And I I mean, there were school nights. Now this is the I I might I might can't remember if I told you the story last year, but I think I did. So the best part of that whole story is that I told my mom one day. I said, Mom, I want to skip school. And she said, Why do you want to skip school? I said, Well, Michigan State is coming to play Iowa tonight. And I want to go to their shoot-around. So if you do the math, I was probably about 12 years old. So Judd Heathcote, Michigan State, you know who was on that team, right? Magic Johnson. So I skipped school to go watch the Michigan State shoot-around. Now, back in the day, they had these canvas movable walls, you know, those huge curtains and gyms that would separate part of the gym. Well, in this case, they had it all around the, the game court at the field house. So it was closed practice. And I'm at, at probably 11 or 12 years old. I just walked in. No one said a thing to me. I, I sat there and watched. And I wish, of course, you know, if I, nowadays you have a phone, you can take video and pictures. I didn't have a camera with me, but I had a notebook. So I was taking, I was writing things down. <laughs> and no one from Michigan State came over and said, what, you know, who are you? What are you doing here? It's closed practice. Like, I just watched the whole thing. And it was a game day shoot around. It was probably like an hour and 15. But I remember like standing and watching Magic. He had the high, high white socks, the green practice. I can just see it now in my head like it was yesterday. So those are the things wow. I did as a little kid, man. I was training early. So uh, I think you know, it's really, really cool memory to uh, see, I guess, for yourself and for us to see you do, you know, as an athlete, as a broadcaster, the really great professionals start at such a young age. And I think that's one of the reasons, Dave, you got lucky. I was trying for two hours last night to find some footage of yours from the 1989 Big East basketball tournament. Oh. Uh, where that happened to be the year where you won a, a big New York State broadcasting award. Uh, what was that like? Walk, were you, were you, you were doing radio back then, right? Yeah, so I was still in school back then, Matt, and uh, I was lucky enough to win the Bob Costas Award for the top sportscaster at the Newhouse School. So that that's an amazing honor. Um, there are a lot of great sportscasters in the class of '89 when when I was at uh, Syracuse my senior year. So of course, Ian Eagle won the next year. Mike Tirico won the year before. I mean, we had some unbelievable talent um, at that time, and still do. And the Newhouse School is still churning out incredible announcers on a regular basis, but. That was a really cool award. And then later on, uh, the New York State uh, Broadcaster Association gave Channel 3, WSTM, the, the top award for uh, coverage of the Big East Tournament. Um, and we won a couple of other awards, too, as, 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 as a sports department. It was, it was pretty cool. It's hard to remember those times, Matt. It's a long time ago, man. That is a long time ago. 
But I appreciate the research. That was, I'll give you an A plus for that. Oh, well, thanks. Oh. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, so, so this is Matt's first show. Like, you know, this is his third show, but this is his first show that he's ever done. And uh, he's been doing a great job for us. And I also, awesome. I'm making him produce the show as well. So this is on the job training here. We've had some awesome uh, people join. Uh, Christy Kent said hello, Dave. Hey. The great Always good. Great to hear from those guys. I miss seeing everybody at these events. That's that's the best part of doing the, either PBA or the PWA or any USBC event is so many of the great bowling families there. It's a chance to catch up. So, hey, Chrissy. The great uh, Rick Barbera, who just had an article written in Bowler's Journal about him, awesome. also checked in, who has dedicated his entire life to bowling and still doing it. Uh, yeah. One of the best guys in bowling. He's checking in and saying hello. But But back to Matt and his producing role here. You know he's really he's really doing this research and everything, and and I've also got him working on putting together some videos. So yesterday we did a thing with Dave Lamont, and uh, we wanted to put you on the spot today as well. Mm-hmm. Have you been watching uh, Joe Buck on Twitter? Uh, they've been sending him in random clips to do commentating. Ooh. Oh, is that right? <laughs> that's cool. I haven't caught that. But that's that's I've been too busy cleaning the house and feeding the chicken. But I've become well, a hobby farmer. No, I haven't seen that, but it's really cool. Well, Dave, uh, we figured since you probably haven't been doing much broadcasting other than maybe running around hatching eggs or whatever, uh, (laughs) Matt thought it would be a good idea again today to test your skills and sharpen the saw a little bit since since you probably, you know, are a little rusty and, and we wanted to, Mm. we wanted to help your agreements you have with the networks to, uh, to make sure you're ready to go when we come out of this thing. So I appreciate that. I'm going to just hand the show off. over to, to Matt Farber and, and Matt's going to, he's picked five, five clips. I believe it is today uh, Sweet. for you to commentate and, uh, and we can see what, what you make of this. So Matt, take it away. All right. Thanks Mike. Yeah. So, uh, so let me, uh, let me just pull up my screen here. We got five fun videos. Some are a little bit longer than the other. Um, okay. And some, some have like slow-mo replays <laughs> afterwards. Some don't, but you can like take us back through, but they're from big, big moments in history and sporting history. Uh, okay. it, you know, um, so I, so, so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to share my screen. Um, I'm going to, uh, pull this up real quick here. Let's just make sure that you can see this. Okay. Can you see this? All right. Oh. <laughs> all right. So this is, yeah, this I is see the, some fish. Yeah. So perfect. That's exactly what okay. you should see. Uh, so this is, this is the first video here. It's going to kind of oh. get right into it. This one's a little quick. The ones afterwards have a little bit of time, in, uh, uh, before the video really gets going to where you can kind of like, um, ease into it. But this one, this one is, is, is a little quick. All right. So you ready? But wait, wait, before we start this, Matt, you yeah. should know, you should know that every summer we go to Alaska. I've learned a lot about grizzly bears in Alaska. So this, this is, in fact, be, a grizzly bear. Perfect. We might just play for salmon. Again. These are salmon who are going, they're going to spawn. So they're headed upstream. The grizzly bears hang out and try to make a catch. I've learned a little bit. I mean, they're amazing creatures. This is they're like, like, a, ten, this like, like a three-game show. Guy. This is like a pregame show. This is perfect. This could you got to get ready. You got to get loose. You got to get loose. I haven't called anything so long. They're massive creatures. Massive creatures. The most important thing is don't go near one. Right. We're actually not right. interested in people at all. But if you happen to like, sometimes people hiking in Alaska will just basically surprise one. That's bad. God. Yeah. That's bad. The other way. Perfect. All right. So, so get ready. This is your commentating debut uh, um, here with this. I don't know what, what we call this section of the show, but we're going to have to find out a name for it. But here's, here's clip number one for you. Okay. Welcome back, everyone, here at the Kenai Peninsula in Alaska. And, yes, the salmon are heading upstream to spawn. Some of the huge grizzly bears are waiting for a meal. And there's a reach to the right. It's a tremendous hand. Mat- it went down too fast. Yeah. Here's another one. So these bears are sometimes a thousand pounds. They can wait there all day. And it's interesting that bears will at times take their fish just to the shore, knock it against a few rocks to loosen things up before they finish off the meal. Now these bears can stay at this spot, this fishing hole, for up to 10 hours at a time. They've got very thick coats. You can see that water is about 45 degrees. It's very cold. But they're patient animals. They're extraordinary hunters. But they will be there 10 full hours and will devour up to 20 fish in one sitting. 
And they'll go back the next day and do the same thing. This is during the spawning season. These are red salmon, I believe. I don't think they're kings. They're too small. They're red. And the season is about two weeks long or so. Thousands of salmon are coming from the Pacific Ocean upstream to the Kenai River in Alaska to spawn, lay their eggs. It's their last act of life. And they're nourishing these beasts, these tremendous grizzly bears who need a good meal. They'll eat fish all day long. That was great. That was amazing. <laughs> My first ever, I've never done fishing. I can't believe that he saw one fish over a waterfall. <laughs> I figured it had to be it had to be that. This is crazy. I think the next four are gonna maybe throw them a little bit here. Right, that that, yeah. that may be too easy. And, and you weren't really supposed to see. You're supposed to just go in. Oh, ahead of time. Okay, you're supposed to react. I got you. Yeah, so these you tell me. You tell me when to look. And I'll, no, I'll, no. These I'll, next I'll ones. These down. next ones have some black screen here. So you'll you'll you, you got, <laughs> got a little break here with the first one. I, I kind of. I got to warm up with the you. So this next one, big sporting event. Um, it's from the World Series. So just make sure you know it's a real serious moment. It's really intense. Right. So last inning, it's bottom of the inning. It's just really big time moment here in sports history. All right. Here we go. Clip is running. Okay. Roll the tape. Oh. <laughs> well, we got a football world championship, and it comes down to these two tremendous players, or three tremendous players. This young man is from Vienna, Austria. Yes, they do play wiffle ball in Austria now. And the Australian pitcher is on the mound. There's a fastball. That ball is hammered to deep right. It is gone. It's a game win. Oh, he can't even hit the bases. He's so excited. Around third and home he goes for the world championship. The Austrians have beaten the Australians in the world wiffle ball championship. It's a day to remember for Austria. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was it. That was, oh, we're still going? Here is a replay of the It was a fastball that just hung up in the zone. And young Wolfgang Dieter <laughs> took it deep. <laughs> what, what a fall through for this young man who will be forever remembered in Vienna. This third one's from a show that you, there's a good chance that you've probably seen it. There's a good, I, okay. I, a really great show. Well, um, just built with just pure athletes, celebrities. Uh, you'll see a celebrity coach about halfway through. Um, so yeah, just here we go. Break it down. It's got some slow mo instant replays afterwards. And here we are, ready for this competition. These two gladiators <laughs> will not be denied. Everyone knows how much is on the line. I. <laughs> You can see that Wesley Two Scoops Barry, the contenders coach, is doing everything he can to get the contender in this gladiator battle. 30 seconds on the Arbitron is up now, and here we go. The person who can stand is the win. Oh. <laughs> I believe it's over. <laughs> this is over. The contenders have won. Let's get a replay and find out what exactly happened. <laughs> the loss of balance. And clearly, some of the equipment went to the. Oh. <laughs> hey, I'll say one thing about this this surprise element of your show. Yes, it it emphasizes how important preparation is in our business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, man, if you're not ready, fully prepped, and understand rules, and first of all, who's who's competing? Yeah, the the clip, the first one kind it of be you were set up for success because you were prepared. You had all that. That not all the background about yeah, the, the screenshot. You got you guys, you guys should um research uh it's a place called Kodiak Island in uh Alaska. And Alaskan uh residents, once a year you get into a lottery. And if you win the lottery, you get a special ticket, and it's not cheap, like it's I don't know, five hundred bucks a person, but they'll actually take you to the island and they have this amazing grizzly bear observation area. So you camp out in a walled, like you're with park rangers and you're safe, but it's a wall camping area or a tent because there are a lot of bears around. And they take you out for walks and you can observe the bears for hours. I didn't get to go, but my daughter went and um, my in-laws have been a bunch of times. It's pretty cool. That's great. Yeah. That's great.
All right, you're you're about you're about sixty percent of the way done here with your, your torture. Um, this this next one is uh, from a historical clip. It's a uh, it's a world record clip. So make sure, um, yeah, just it's it's a cool it's a cool clip. So here was that go. the gladiators, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, American gladiators, right? Yes. Yep. Didn't watch that very much. <clears throat> here we go. Okay, roll it. Oh my! <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to this world competition this is about agility this is about staying low this is about flexibility to try to somehow avoid all of those plastic rods across the ice how does one do it now the issue of first is flexibility you have to have the ability to stay into a split for minutes at a time and so few people in the world can do that years of training is involved try to have that sort of flexibility and that mental strength. Now, as he goes to that last <laughs> and the last amount of distance, clearly with the cameras, light bulb flashing, he has done it. He has set the world record for distance a split on, I think it's ice skates under incredibly low plastic rods. I don't know how he physically did it. The issue is how can he get up? Will anyone help this person up from this split? Because that could be something that would hurt for years to come. I think that the trick. Oh, it's a child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the world of that person staying in that position that long. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's was that the, like a Guinness Book of World Records thing? That's the that event is called uh, limbo skating. That 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 kid has limbo the, skating. Yeah, he's from New Delhi, Listen, India. You, he's got you, you call limbo skating, Matt. Just give me a research pack in your website. Give me a week. I'm good. <laughs> All right. So this this last <laughs> one here that we've got limbo. for you um, oh is is a playoff of a video that we played <laughs> yesterday. Um, yeah. yesterday. There's there's a horse track, uh, a horse race track called uh, Canterbury <laughs> Park. And okay. yesterday, uh, for our for for our buddy Dave Lamont, we played a clip. Um, they have these extreme extreme animal races. And yesterday, <laughs> we played a clip from um, from la uh, a llama and unicorn race. And today, we've got another clip, which is more action packed. This is great. I found another clip here. Um, so just so just be aware, it's a it's of a zebra race. So um, the clip is rolling. Here we go. We're out right here at Canterbury Park for the Zebra Race of 2020, and they're off. Faber leads Flanagan. Ryan is lagging behind. We're looking for Peterson. Peterson has been thrown from his zebra. Now it's Faber in the lead, and Flanagan is trying to find the best way to the – and down – oh, Faber has been thrown. Faber throws his rider. In the end, only one. Ryder is on his zebra. It's Ryan. Ryan is the winner. <laughs> zebra race champion is our number one zebra internationally. It's Ryan. Oh man, what a what a that great was bad. What that a was great bad. job, man. What a great job. Yeah. Those zebra, those zebras do not go straight. They no, are. They're not bad. meant for racing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. You need, your jockeys really have to have colors because you can't tell them apart. <laughs> no two zebras are alike, but those stripes are pretty hard. Wow. Thanks Differentiate. For that was challenging. Yeah, that is tough. That's really tough. Woo! Improv is also uh, sometimes uh, a skill that you have to do on, on the fly. So hopefully wow. we help prepare you. for. <laughs> uh I guess these things live forever, but that will not be any any resume reel of mine. I was going to say, yesterday we went and we found uh, a YouTube <laughs> channel, which everybody should go subscribe to, uh, right. Dave Ryan on YouTube. And uh, we saw that you had these little reels. And yeah. I was going to say, um, we could clip this for you if you want. And you can upload it to your channel and you can have it there. This way, when you know in the future, if you're ever trying to get into zebra racing or uh, world record calling, you can right. uh, possibly the professional wiffle ball league. You can have. I mean, I think the wiffle ball. I played a lot of wiffle ball as a kid. It's kind of right down my alley. But boy, the other sports were were very very challenging. The, the <laughs> grizzly bear fishing. I was on a loop. That was challenging because of the loop. I'll be honest with you. Uh, but boy, preparation is is key. You need to know the sport you're calling. That, <laughs> that kid on the. Was, 
It wasn't ice. They're roller skates, right? Yeah, it was amazing. roller skates. That was physically impossible. How did he physically do that? I don't know, dude. I, I can't. I can't. Wow. Keep- I mean, you know, little kids are flexible, but that's a new level. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> Dave, that was that was a blast, and thanks for being oh my support. Um, uh, we do have uh, we do have a question from Lee Champion. <clears throat> watching every day he says uh what's your toughest pba or what was your toughest pba wow that's a really good question lee that is a really good question um hmm would it maybe be the first one you know well it was uh in wichita with randy in 2002 that was the first one i did with randy when we started that five-year run together as as the voices of the pba tour you know, I think maybe going back to that U.S. Open after Dick Weber passed was really hard because there was so much emotion. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The, the two shows Randy was on, one that he won in Springfield, Pennsylvania, which is his last title in Philly. So, so Brian Boss came in and filled in for Randy. You guys remember that one? I'm sure it's on YouTube. He called Randy, Randy Pedersen. The entire show. So I kept correcting him. I said, BV, it's Peterson. You know him well. Okay, got it, got it. We've been commercial break. Okay, you, are you sure you got it? No problem. <laughs> Come out of commercial break. He ta- he says he refers to him as Pedersen every single time. I, <laughs> and to this day, I'm not sure what all happened. It was a joke, like maybe some a bet or something. But <clears throat> it was a hard emotional show because Randy, who is my partner, is now competing and he won a title. So trying to keep my uh, uh, journalistic. Uh, integrity together and not just go berserk for Randy was hard. And then I think it was the TOC in Connecticut where he lost. Um, that was hard too. We got to a championship match and lost. So trying to, um, I remember going out, Randy was warming up and I walked by him and, you know, gave him a little hello. He was so focused. He didn't like notice me because he was getting ready to compete and try to win a major. So those are hard shows to call because Randy was involved in the show. It's very unique where you're, you're, broadcast partner is competing that's happened more than once with kelly Kulik. so i've called a lot of her wins and and some of her losses too and those are tricky because you're you're you have a relationship with this person professionally and you you're you're rooting for them but your job as an announcer is to call the best show you possibly can you can't show can't show favorites so i think that'd be that'd be it lee i think those are hard to to uh when your broadcast partner is out of the booth and on the lanes trying to win a championship you still have a job to do so that's a good question uh david oh, we did uh last wall of wa us open 2016 so we were just back there in the same center uh at south point in vegas for the fox show the last show before we all went home and have, have been been idle <clears throat> for so long so <clears throat> excuse me Dad coffee mug comes through. So that was um, that was an amazing 300 game to call. I did call Sean Rash 300. That was at um, Oklahoma. I think it was the Bear Open when we when we did uh, with CBS Sports Network did four four or five shows. Bear Wolf, uh, Cheetah, um, Oklahoma Open as well. So he he threw a 300. Um, Mika Koivunemi, um, at least two of his, I think. One of, one of his, and then one with um, Norm Duke as well in Seattle. So I think I think the number, and then we've had a couple on the PWBA tour as well. So I think the number is probably five now, four or five on TV, and they're amazing. Still amazing. Yeah, amazing. Tom, Tommy Jones this year that was extraordinary. The three hundred game was mm-hmm. how do you possibly script something better than that at the Hall of Fame? But those yeah, games are yeah. so cool to call because you you get excited, and then and then. The Fox shows have a million dollar bonus on the title match. Like there's, there's a lot on the line. Those, those are. It's like a perfect game of baseball. I mean, they're, they're pretty rare. Be cool. Dave, uh, final question for you before we let you go. Um, you've called so many different sports. Uh, one, including is- zebra racing now, and that <laughs> wacky split roller skating kid, Dave. and the grizzly bears, and the wiffle ball. Yeah, and I'm conducting uh, an email to American Gladiators right now to try to get that show relaunched with you to be the, the play-by-play guy for America. Just give me time to research it, Mike. I'll be good. And I'm going to have Matt on a workout program. He's going to actually be one of the gladiators. Yeah. 
we got to do my you know, like nitro awesome. or lace or thunder or zap or gemini so we'll find him a name uh and we'll decide dave that it'll be your choice but but the thing I, I wanted to talk about like the the final the final topic uh before we get into our our talk to wrap up the show it's been an awesome time with you here but one of the things that that you and I uh, both have a passion for is is hockey. And when ESPN had the hockey contract, that's when hockey was really kind of booming there. It, it since has expired uh, for quite some time. But I remember the great Barry Melrose and Bill Clement, Gary Thorne, yourself on the calls. And I actually did go look at your YouTube channel. And I do suggest mm-hmm. you go out there and sign up for Dave's YouTube channel. Dave, Thank you. I appreciate check them out. Um, but I, I got to watch, you know, um, uh, Reddick Bonk, I believe you were talking about mm-hmm. that in Ottawa versus Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just, Great stories. If you could just send, send uh, spend a few moments here just talking about your experience working in the National Hockey League and, and some of the folks that, that you worked with over there. Uh, it, it, it's, it's therapeutic for me because it was some of the best times of my life in high school oh. watching those games and remembering you on the call. Um, it was just awesome for me. So talk, take us through mm-hmm. NHL mm-hmm. for me. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate saying that. That, that really makes me feel great. Um, the, uh, the the break that I got, I was at ESPN a couple of years, and then the hockey coordinator asked me, hey, would you like to do games? I'm like, of course I like to do games. I hadn't done that many. Um, some high school and college hockey in, in Central New York on local cable. That really was the extent of my co- my hockey experience. So I just, like every other sport I've done, I've done 22 sports at this point in my career. You used research and you get to know Everything about the game as you as as much as you possibly can, but this is not a high school game. It was going right to the NHL. So it's 1996, and um, I just remember being pretty scared. <laughs> um, Aaron Pang was my analyst, and uh, he was great, very welcoming. You know, Darren, of course, uh, obviously Mike St. Louis, and what a great job he does for the Blues. Um, he was uh, he he really he was my mentor. He took me under his wing and and taught me a lot. As did Brian Engblom, as did Barry Melrose. Um, as did Bobby Taylor, the chief, was one of my first analysts. Neil Smith, still a great friend, uh, former Ranger GM, who is, I believe, the funniest human being on the face of the planet. There, there are very few people who can make me laugh the way Neil Smith uh, can. Tremendous sense of humor. Great memories. Um, I just, you know, I love, I love the morning skate. I love going to the to the arena and then watching Gretzky, Messier, Leach skate for the Rangers. You're you're ringside watching these legends. It's, it's just and then the the dressing room's open and you're going in and talking to them you know they're getting ready to go back to the hotel and take their nap and have their meal get ready for the game and you're there you're with reporters and you're shaking hands with wayne, with wayne gretzky it's grant fewer i mean there are so many legends at that point in the years i did it between 96 and 04 um that stand out it was it was an incredible experience nhl playoffs in canada you cannot possibly top. No way. St. Louis fans, Islander Ranger fans, Matt, for you in the New York area, of course, Devils, it's it's a big deal. But I remember I was in probably Edmonton, and then you're watching Hockey Night in Canada, and they're talking about the nation's capital, like D.C. No, of course, it was Ottawa. The, every newspaper, every TV channel, every conversation you heard on the street was about playoff game that night. So – the passion that goes into hockey in Canada is is unmatched. It's incredible. And those games, the games in Edmonton, the games in Ottawa, the the Leafs Sand series you mentioned, Mike, in Toronto. Um, just just walking to the arena and seeing the place fill up and just right, the place would rock all game long. And the ebb and flow of the NHL, the the level of play is so extraordinary, so high. Um, it, it was a huge thrill to be a part of that. And Mike, so you know, I had some chances to to work with teams as their announcer. I had a lot of interviews, actually, during that time. But I thought at that point, my career thing with ESPN was a better idea. I was doing so many different sports, and I love the idea of ESPN, and my, my kids were in Syracuse, didn't want to leave my kids. Um, so I was a single dad at the time and splitting time with them when they were young. They're 25 and 21 now. They're long gone. Out of the house. So that's why I didn't take those jobs. And it really was – there were – there were five good chances. And I do think about what would have happened if I had taken one of those opportunities. Let's say in 2002, well, you have a lockout, but then you're back at it. And 
would have been a totally different career path than, than the way it ended up. And now I just don't do hockey at all, which is really unfortunate. Um, so those morning skates were amazing. Getting a chance to call a game with those legends on the ice or in goal, unforgettable. Games at, in Uniondale on the island. I mean, because yeah. of the low, low ceiling in that arena, yeah. the place would just shake. Yeah. It, it was yeah. just and, – and really a top memory has got to be Frozen Four, Maine, Minnesota in St. Paul. Overtime, Minnesota wins the national championship. So, you know, I'm just trying not to have my head explode as I call a game-winning goal and try to keep myself relatively sane as I <laughs> as the place is just, like, exploding around you and the people are cheering, Minnesota, Minnesota, hey, Gophers, like they're over and over again. Um, I can still hear it in my head, man. There's some great memories about the NHL and, and hockey in general. I really miss a lot. Yeah, I love here, but um, one day I would love to have some sort of podcast about hockey or any other sports where we can reminisce and talk about so many other things because it's one of the few things in my life uh, that I look back at when my family was still together. We had season tickets before they got mm-hmm. divorced, and it brings me back to a really happy space. So thank, thank yeah. you. Some of that with me personally. I hope the viewers enjoyed it as well. If not, it's 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 our show, so I got to enjoy that. Yeah. For me, so I appreciate that very much. And, and a quick follow, my too, to, to hockey players in general. Like I, I was just having a memory while you're talking about that about the the Red Wings locker room and Lidstrom and Iserman and the guy, the Fedorov. Everybody was so approachable. Everyone was so nice. Like hockey players in general, there's the egos are so low. Generally, they came from very humble backgrounds, whether it's in Europe or the wheat fields of Saskatchewan. Like, the guys are so down to earth. And I just remember the time, like, I was at a hotel gym, and I think it was Edmonton. It was Avalanche, Oilers in a series, and I'm working out, and in comes Joe Sackick. I'm like, hey, you know, we knew each other a little bit, just very informally. And we talked for like an hour about families, about where he grew up in Canada, about just everything but hockey. And I used some of it on the air that night in the broadcast. Like I said, I said, yo, can I use this? Like, oh yeah, go ahead, man. Whatever you want. It was, I mean, I'll never forget that. He just sat there and just talked to me as long as I wanted. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a clock on it. He didn't have to go and do something. Like he was, it was so, it was, it was amazing. That's amazing. Well, Dave, you've been amazing. One thing bowling and hockey has in common is approachability and great personalities that are always willing to take the extra time. And that's what you've done for us here today. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for coming on. We'd love to have you on again in the future. We have no idea how long we're going to be doing this show, but thanks for for being our second guest on the show on Beta Testing Week. Uh, you're a great sport, and you're a consonant uh, p- professional, that's for sure. No. Thanks that. a lot, guys. Mike, Matt, thanks for having me very much. I vote for Dave Week or Dave Show. I'll get you some Daves. I'll text you some names and numbers. Just keep the Dave theme going. But to everyone watching, thanks for all your contributions, your questions, and please stay safe, stay home. Listen to your local medical officials. And let's get through this thing together and get back to bowling. Can't wait to broadcast again. Great. You're here. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave. All right, Matt. Wow, what a what a wonderful time spent with with Dave Ryan. Uh, your takeaways from that? Um, some people just got it, you know. LeBron James just got it. Tiger Woods, he's got 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 it. Dave Ryan's got it. You know, it's uh. It's insane to see the level of professionalism and how talented and, you know, Dave in his head is probably like, man, I wasn't prepared for those, those videos that they threw at me at all. And he still did a 1 million time better job than either of us could have done, you know, than than a normal person could do just a seasoned vet, honestly. And uh, it's just, it's cool to see um, how those people operate, how they get to where they're going. I'm sure a lot of people are always curious, like, you know, they see Dave Ryan on, on television just calling 300 games and calling people winning majors and doing all these incredible events. And they're saying, you know, like, oh, how can I get there one day? And it's just cool to see where he's been, what he's done um, and how he's gotten to where he is. Yeah. And I want to thank everybody for their time that they spent, uh, you know, on the show. And, and we're going to continue. We uh, will announce our guest at the end of the show here today. Uh, we do have some other bowling news that we do want to get to here today before we go off air. And we are running a little long here because uh, we had such a great guest. But the Collegiate Award Show is on uh, tonight, uh, Wednesday, April 15th. That is today at 6 p.m. Eastern, the IBMA and NCBCA 
uh, award show on Bull TV. Make sure you check that out. I did get a message from Doug Kaberski uh, late last night. Thank you yes. for, for, for what we said yesterday on the show. Congratulations to all those collegiate teams that have uh, received individual awards uh, and uh, All-American honors and, and such. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really cool. Again, you know, to touch on what Doug did, it's it's just cool to see, um, you know, how how great people accomplish great things. And he's a great guy, and he's just always been a standout, um, really kind guy. Uh, so shout out again to Doug um, and to everybody else that received regular season awards. Um, it's just it's a cool it's a cool it's a cool time of year. I also saw that the USBC Open uh, Women's Championships uh, published uh, a little over an hour ago on their Facebook page that the 2020 USBC women's championships uh, at the South point bowling plaza in Las Vegas will kick off September 19th and run through October 18th. Read more. Uh, they got the whole story over on the uh, Las Vegas 2020 women's championships uh, Facebook page. So I just saw that come through before our show today. Um, it's great. So- That's it's great news, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. It's great news to see that the event uh, will still be running. People will still have the opportunity to compete, to continue traditions. Um, so that's that's really great news. There's a there's a lot of great things going on too with uh, live streaming shows. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday is the uh, uh, what is it the the beef, the beef and Barnsey. Barnsey. Yeah, the beef and Barnsey show today I think is at uh, is that at three o'clock? Yeah, Central? three p.m. Central, four p.m. Eastern. They just started a YouTube channel as well, so maybe head over on there. Um, I think they'll be probably streaming on both Facebook, um, Beef and Barnsey, YouTube, Beef and Barnsey. Yeah, I wonder where they got that idea. Right? No, right? I'm kidding. We we stole this. Well, idea. I was gonna say, I wonder where we got the idea to use this platform. <laughs> and then, uh, and then today also on Columbia Three Hundred uh, Facebook page, Kenny Ryan is going live, and then at five o'clock Eastern, uh, Bill O'Neill is going live on the Hammer Facebook page today. A lot going on. Um, tomorrow on the Ebonite page at five is Tommy Jones, uh, Sean Maldonado on the Hammer page at uh, at eleven Eastern, um, and then uh, I believe Jake Peters is supposed to be going on uh, on Thursday as well. Caroline Lagrange later in the week, Clara Guerrero on Columbia three hundred. So there's a lot of, of uh, live streams out there available. Um, should also mention that that storm is doing the morning bolt. I've been doing it for a couple of weeks. It's another good program to check out. Yep. And, uh, of course, bowl TV is doing, uh, the, their podcast OC podcast and the PWBA podcast. So yep. a lot of great options in bowling right now, uh, to be able to, to, to catch up and see how folks are doing a uh, plethora of content, just like we're doing here. Yeah. Um, it's really a cool time. It's cool to see the bowling industry. The, and the people inside the industry become creative and utilize the tools um, at their disposal to keep everybody entertained, keep everybody informed and do what we can in this really kind of strange time. Belmo also has uh, Clara on today at seven o'clock Eastern. I did see that as well. So just so much content out there for you to be able to uh, right. take advantage of the PBA today, I believe is also launching a uh, video with uh with uh coley edison doing some rapid fire questions with with belmo today and then um also uh our friends at bowler x uh also are doing a, a fun match game game show uh their their uh game shows are releasing monday wednesday and friday uh on facebook and youtube so just a lot of, of great stuff out there i do have a couple of uh closing things uh housekeeping messages here for everyone is uh, if you want to get on board with helping the show and keeping the show going, you can head over to InsideBowling.com. Check out our merch that we have available. Uh, you can save 15% with coupon code MF2. That's because it's Matt Farber and Mike Flanagan. There's two of us, MF2. MF2 is the uh, coupon code. So if you'd like to support the program, uh, you can do so by uh, by picking up some merch over there and using that great coupon code. And also today was a really big day for us uh, on the YouTube channel as we launch the first of 16 weekly episodes of Tips with Coach Mike Shady, USA, Team USA Coach Mike Shady. Uh, Today, it's uh, how to prepare for the 2020 USBC Open Championships, uh, when and if those ever occur. But we had that one in the can for a while and wanted to get it out there. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Help support Mike. Uh, There's a revenue share on the the ad revenue from that that goes to Mike for his coaching uh, career, and we want to make sure – 
that one of the best coaches in the world uh, gets seen out there. So we went and shot 16 episodes with him back in February, and we were holding this one for a while due to coronavirus, but it was just time to get going. So hopefully you enjoy that program. I know you had a chance to check it out, Matt. What'd you think? Uh, I think I may be biased here, but uh, I think it was really well done. I think Coach Shady's incredible. I think he does a really good job of uh, breaking down the different components of the bowling game, whether it's physical, mental, uh, the preparation that goes into it, whether it's equipment, whether it's lane play. Um, there are so many variables. You know, we talked about it a little bit yesterday with Dave Lamont um, and how many variables there are in the game of bowling and how hard it can be sometimes, you know, you know, people bowling on different lanes, using different equipment, uh, different topography issues. There's so many things that go into preparing for an event, uh, especially a big event like the Open Championships. So it's great. Um, you know, and, and the information in that video can be used for any tournament, really. I mean, it can be used for league. It can be used for practice. There's drills in there. Um, there's really big takeaways that you can um, that you can utilize even while you're at home. You know, you can use some of those drills while you're at home um, if you can't even get back out onto lanes yet. Um, so I know that, you know, again, everybody's out there. They're, they're really trying to find some videos and some content to watch. So that's just another way that we can that we're trying to contribute to that. Well, Matt, this show's gone by way too fast, sir. Uh, Always good, does, man. The good news is we get to come back again tomorrow. Yep. Um, and we'll keep doing this for a while. And uh, if you like the show, share it. Let people know about it. Call your friends. Uh, we'd like to see uh, where this thing goes. Um, yeah. You know, host, a, host a watch party on 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 Facebook. Do do whatever you'd like. Dorothy did that yesterday. Yeah. So uh, this is beta testing. Uh, We'll see if we can play the same song going out as we did coming in. Uh, Matt, I'd like to thank you again for all your time putting into the show, man. Yeah, Mike. Thanks. uh, Thanks for linking up and doing this together. This is a lot of fun, man. I'm enjoying this. We'll be back tomorrow. There it is. There it is. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for today's show. We'd like to thank you for joining us on the Inside Bowling Show. Be well. Be safe. We will see you tomorrow with our guest. Continuing Dave week, it's Dave Watka tomorrow. We'll see you, everybody. So there it is, episode three in the books. I want to thank Matt, my co-host, for doing such a great job, really finding his way on our program. And I really want to thank Dave Ryan for the time that he was able to spend with us. Hopefully you got something from that. The thing that I like about Dave that a lot of people don't know is he's worked with a lot of bowlers over the years sitting next to him on TV, and that's not easy to do. And a lot of times he works with people with not much experience. And Dave actually teaches these bowlers how to do the color commentary on these shows and uh, people I've talked to that have worked with Dave that are bowlers say that without Dave Ryan, they wouldn't be where they are today. Uh, So thanks to Dave for joining us. And uh, just one of those guys that uh, we're really blessed to be able to have on the program. Maybe one day we'll tap into Dave's Rolodex and have some other folks on as he pretty much knows everybody in the industry. He's worked with just about everybody in broadcasting uh, throughout every professional sport. We're uh, really blessed to have him as a, uh, Uh, play-by-play guy in bowling we really are and uh, back-to-back days if you listen to the episode before with Dave Lamont two completely different guys but they both have the same name Dave as we joke around that it was Dave week as we did our beta testing and we have a Dave on again the next day so uh, I want to wrap up the post-game show here Uh, really appreciate everybody that's been paying attention to our podcast been supporting us uh, whether they're watching it online or whether they're listening to it here, wherever you find your podcast. Thanks for letting us spend some time with you throughout your day. And as we always say here, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you on the next one.